Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have, uh, this guy is a freaking rock star. I have the one and only Ted McGrath on the show. Stay with us. You'll want to hear this story and share this thing out right now. Just click share and let's roll. See you in a minute. All right, here we go. Let me bring Ted on. Ted, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Dude, I am honored to have you. I've, you know, we have a mutual friend, James Barber, who's already in the comments. Look at that. Um, <laughs> and he's talked about you. I've watched you with him on live streams out in LA and all over the United States. And um, man, I, I'm, I'm just honored to finally have you on the show. So thank you for being here. Thanks, man. I, I like the introduction too. I want to get one of those for ours, man. It was pretty cool. Thank you. I yeah. get a lot of compliments on that. I was just not, I was just going to be like, yo, let's do that for ours. We need to. Really good. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, that's great. So, so, uh, oh, Hey, there's Bob Donnell too. Bob, what's going on? Bob, man? I know Bob. What's up, Bob? Do you really? Yeah, I totally know Bob. Oh my God, Bob, yeah. Bob, Bob's, yeah, wow. Small world, man. So, <laughs> so Ted, I started this show about three years ago and, you know, I'm, I, I'm very transparent. I'm a recovered alcoholic with 19 years sober. And, and, you know, I, I felt like I needed to give back more to the world and, and help people get unstuck. And that's where this all originated was, I, and, and originally, I was just going to call it getting unstuck, but thank God my wife's smarter than me, and she <laughs> said, why don't you use your last name, and so here we are. Ah. Um, but, you know, wh why don't we start with, and by the way, I'm going to give you full screen here here and there throughout the show, um, where it's just on you, I'm still here, but um, so so let's start with where you were born and raised. I was born in New Jersey, man. I'm a Jersey guy in uh, yeah. Short, Short Hills, New Jersey, and then uh, grew up part of the time in Point Pleasant, Jersey Shore. So yeah, okay, yeah, okay. I'm kind and of how, a Jersey, I'm kind of a Jersey Shore kid too, man. <laughs> how long were you there? <laughs> well, I was there for 17 years. 17 oh, years. Wow. Yep. Wow. Okay. So is that, did you, you went to school, high school, all that there, right? I went to high school there and then I wanted to go out to Florida in, uh, to go to college because I was a tennis player. And so <laughs> I, I went out to Florida because one, my dad was there and I wanted to be close to him. And two, I was a tennis player. And so I went in and I walked on the number one team in the nation, Division II tennis at Rollins College. And wow. uh, the coach told me never to ever try out because I wasn't good enough, but I tried out and I made the team. Wow. Okay. So, you know, interestingly enough, I, I um, took my 11-year-old daughter. We have tennis courts here where I yeah. live in, in our, our neighborhood community court. And, and I'm like, hey, let's go play tennis. I, I, I've been here three years. I've never, I've never been on this like, ever, right? <laughs> Dude, that is a workout. I mean, that is a, like, I'm like, who needs a, who needs gyms? And I mean, this is crazy. I, so I came back drenched in sweat thinking I I'm not going to do that again. Anytime. <laughs> hey, you're talking to a guy who was carted to the hospital two times for dehydration as a result. So I understand 120 Dude. degree weather, full body cramps. First time on the McDonald's parking lot, man. You know what, what kind of tennis team goes to McDonald's after a tennis match? Full body cramps. You imagine every part of your body, every muscle cramped completely. Oh. Yeah. Oh my god. So I understand, no my friend. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, this ain't happening again. So, so, so you, so you went to, you ended up in college. Did you graduate from college? I did. I did. Okay. I went there. I was, I was a good student because I memorized well through high school, but I was really horrible on the SATs. 
So all my friends in up north, you know, it's, it's kind of typical up North Jersey. They stay there. They don't really go. Most of the people. So most of them like stayed there, got jobs in Jersey or New York City. I kind of did the opposite. I was like, well, my SATs weren't good. I'm not going to get into these northern schools. So I'll go to Florida Rollins College, which was notoriously a uh, party school and a tennis school. So I went there. Where, where's where is that? What part of Florida? It's in, it's in Winter Park, Florida. Yeah, Winter Park. Yeah. Is that south or? Uh, it's it's in Central Florida in Orlando. Oh, okay, okay, all right. So I ma I majored in partying and tennis, buddy. That was my game. <laughs> did, did you put that on your resume yeah well that was my resume that's how i graduated <laughs> yeah so so did so what did you do what did you end up doing after college well you know i i got out of college and i was supposed to like you know originally my brother and i because my brother and i went to college together and then my stepbrother also came our junior year in college because we were having so much fun so he transferred so it was like three brothers in the same fraternity in the same college together so you can imagine that we didn't get much done. And so by the time graduation came, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So lack of a better plan, I was like, I'll go into business with my dad. And my dad was like, my dad was just, you know, entrepreneur. He didn't graduate college and uh, just kind of like deal maker, street deal maker. He, did, he was in surplus in like computer chips. So the chips winning yeah. computers, he bought them surplus. So okay. like, that wasn't my, my, my destiny in life. But my brother and I were like, well, we'll go into business with my dad. And then my dad, he, he he shut his business down. It wasn't doing well. So we're like, okay, what am I going to do with my life, right? And uh, for for lack of imagination, um, I just started sending out resumes, and I got this uh, response um, from a company. And I was like, oh, okay, well, New York Life that that sounds interesting. And I kind of computed like Life with like Life Magazine, and I was a writer. You know, I like to write. So I was like, yeah. oh, it sounds like a magazine. So maybe I'll go take the interview. So I showed up to the interview at uh, 21 years old, got off the elevator. And as I walked in, I'm looking around. I'm like, well, this this doesn't really look like a magazine, you know? And, I, and I'm looking <laughs> on the wall and it says New York Life Insurance Company. I'm like, oh, this is an insurance company, man, right? Uh, so so I asked the lady, I go, I, at the receptionist, I go, is this, is this the right place? Do you have an interview for Ted McGrath? She's like, yeah, we have you on here and your interview is with Mo." Abdu and I was like, okay. I was like, this is this a is this a magazine? She's like, no, this is an insurance company. I'm like, she's like, do you do you still want to do the interview? I'm like, sure, I'll do the interview. So, um, so I went and sat sat down in the interview, and and the guy who was interviewing me, his name was Mo, and the first question out of his mouth was, who is Ted McGrath? He's like, who are you? And and we ended up talking for four hours. We became best friends. He put me wow. through the ring. He put me through the ringer to hire me. Um, because I failed their tests. So New York Life was like, you, you, you're not good enough to be with this company. You shouldn't even be with this company. So I had to jump through all kinds of hoops, right, to actually get into the Hold company. Up. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. We can't we can't fly past that. So you didn't you were they said you're not even good enough to sell life insurance. Dude, dude, that's what they said, man. And it's a profile test, like a personality test. So it came back and I looked at him in my Jersey accent, part of the French. I'm like, how man, how the fuck do you you fail a profile <laughs> test, dude? It's not even like a pass fail, dude. Like, how do you fail a profile test? You know? <laughs> that's not right, man. There's something right, wrong dude. with that. Yeah. Uh, wow. I think the testers had it out for you. Or they something, had it out man. for me, buddy. Had it out. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what, <laughs> did you end up getting a job there? Or? I did. And so what happened was he said to me after the first interview, I, I came back, I was always a wheeler and dealer as a kid, you know? So I came back and I was like, great. So I canceled all my interviews. Right. And this yeah. is the place I want to work. And the truth is I didn't have any other freaking interviews. Right. <laughs> so, so he looks, so he looks at me, he's like, well, you shouldn't have done that. I'm like, why? He's like, cause you're not hired yet. I'm like, but we talked for like four hours. We became friends. He's like, well, you failed the profile test. That's number one. Um, he, goes, he goes, so number two, I have to put you through the ringer to get hired. So he goes, I need you to go out and talk to 35 people. And I'm like, 35 people for what? He's like, I need you to do market surveys. And like, I was out of college. I didn't know 35 people. Oh, so he goes, you have two weeks to do it. And you have to come back and do that. So I went out and I went to the restaurant and the bar that my dad hung out at. And so as his friends would walk in, I just pulled him into a booth and I would do a quick survey, pulled him into the booth, quick survey. So I did like 35 surveys within like 24 hours. I went back the next day. I was like, here, I'm done. He's like, you're done? I'm like, yeah, I'm done. And he's like, okay, well, for you to get hired now, you need to get me 10 clients or $10,000 in commissions. So before they would even do my contract, I had to go get 10 clients. 
<laughs> oh my god! So did you? I did. So when Dude, so when, hold so, it in the history of the world, nobody has wanted to work at a life insurance company this bad. Dude, it's so funny, man. You know, you know what's funny about it is like, you know how you go go do things in life because of the relationship primarily. I mean, that's how yeah, I look yeah, at it. Yeah. But here's the funny thing about and the really cool thing. When I sat down with him, he's still my best friend to this day, 20 years later. Wow. And and he we're sitting down and he painted this vision of what was possible for me. And he's like, you could come out your first year and do like $250,000 in commissions. And here's the thing, man. Like, I actually believed him. And so it was the first time I heard somebody really paint a vision of something that was like, that was should, should have been impossible, but said it with total certainty that was possible. And it's the first time in my entire life that somebody actually fully believed in me. Wow. So I went there because I, it was the belief of somebody like, wow, this guy sees who I am. And I, I know deep down inside who I am. So this is an environment I can thrive in. And so I put my head down for 12 months and I ran and I cracked six figures in income my first year in the business. And then I was wow. like, Yahoo! And went out and celebrated that night. And that night at four o'clock in the morning, I'm on the kitchen floor and uh, I got a bag of cocaine in me. I got two pops of ecstasy, 15 vodka sodas. And I'm literally, and I'm leaving, I'm leaving my body, like literally dying, just leaving my body. What? Yeah. And I can feel myself leaving, right? Spiritually, as a spiritual being. And I feel myself leaving and I'm holding on to my body. And I can feel the pounding of like, boom, 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 like trying to hold on and stay in my body. And that went on for like a couple hours. And then, uh, you know, then I was revived and I woke up the next morning. I was actually still alive, which was kind of cool, you know? It's going to be alive, man. I was kind of like, well, money, money didn't do it, man. So what's the next answer? Because money wasn't the answer. So like, what will make me feel good? And drugs didn't work because I almost died. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so wow, that just opened up a lot of doors there. So you, oh, totally, you totally. so you, how? Okay, so how long had you been? What this wasn't like the first time you decided to do all these drugs, was it? Well, you know, you know what? I was kind of against drugs in high school, and then when I got to college, I didn't start doing drugs till my uh, my senior year in college, um, wow. or maybe my junior year. I think it was my junior year in college. Um, yeah, my junior year in college, I was at a buddy's wedding. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And and I remember being there and uh, and somebody was like, you know, one dude was there and they were all tennis players. And this dude was like one of the top tennis players at Florida. And uh, and he's like, yo, man, you want to take some of these? I'm like, what are they? And it was ecstasy. And I was like, sure, dude, sounds good. And next thing you know, like we're doing it then my senior year and doing it once a month as a special thing and then doing it more. And the next thing you know, you're all, you, you don't realize it from drugs, but it catches up on you. You're like, what happened to my life? I'm a disaster now, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, so the, the, you celebrated hitting six figures in life insurance. Yeah. Um, and, and this particular night, how old were you at that point? I was 22. Holy crap, man. Yeah. You're doing six figures in life insurance at 22 years old. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I think that that probably beats the odds that or the, the, the average person, what the average person does. Yeah. Um, I was number four producer in the entire office at 22. So yeah. Wow. So, so then you, um, you, you wake, you wake up eventually, um, after having a near death experience from overdosing, what happened in, in, in the following moments after that? Well, so I was uh, at that point, I was petrified to do drugs again. So it wasn't, mm. so I wasn't petrified to drink, but I was petrified to do drugs again. And so, um, so I was kind of like, okay, no more drugs. And, and amazingly enough, like no matter how drunk I would get when I went out, because Monday through Friday, my regimen was wake up at 4.30 in the morning, go to the gym, sweat it out. So by the time Friday night hit, I would go out and then be out till four in the morning drinking Saturday, pretty much all day drinking at the pool, Saturday night drinking Sunday around, you know, two o'clock, wake up, have breakfast, go into a coma at like two or three and wake up at four in the morning. So that was kind of my schedule. And then I'd work out every day. And so 
what happened was I was like, well, I can't, the, 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 the drinking's fine, but the drugs are bad. And no matter how drunk I got from 21 to 30, cause I fell off again at 30, but no matter how drunk I got from 21 to 30, I, uh, I actually, um, uh, did not touch a drug. It could be put in front of me. And I, so I wouldn't touch a drug and I wouldn't drink and drive no matter what happened. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I had enough discipline to go. It's no, no bueno. <clears throat> You know, I can relate to that, though. I mean, I can, I can, to I, the drug thing always freaked me out. I don't know why. So I can totally relate to that. So, so you spent the, the, it sounds like about eight or nine years. Um, yeah. Just, just doing, doing alcohol. Yeah. Eight, well, and, from, I mean, from 15 to whatever, from to 33 uh, or something. So 17, yeah. 18 years of like boozing it up. Um, and even, even at 22, when I cracked six figures, I still drank all the time, you know, but my answer was like, when the money didn't do it, of course you come up with another solution that makes no, it makes logical sense at the time, but you look back and it makes no sense. But my answer yeah. was after money, it was like, oh, money didn't do it. But like this, you know, power status, respect will do it. So I, I got into management and, and 22 and I was like hiring people who are 50 and 60 years old. And, and I was a 22 year old kid. It was kind of a time bomb. And, you know, so so I was like, okay, um, I'm doing this now. And then, um, you know, we, we had a great organization. We had 65 people we were responsible for, me and my partner. And uh, by the time I was 28, I, you know, I, I had hit the biggest goals of my life. It was kind of interesting. It was after we took a course called Creativity in Business. It was a course taught at Stanford. So go figure, I'd get into the life insurance business and then I'd take a Stanford course, right? So <laughs> you're, you're like, right, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on, dude, right? So this dude comes into our, like we hire him for $60,000. His name's Michael Ray, he passed now. He had a book called The Highest Goal. And it was basically like, what is your highest goal in life? And so we hire this dude to come into New York Life um, who's a Stanford professor. And so now we're all there, we're dressed in our suit and ties, you know, and we're in this corporate building, top floor in Orlando of the SunTrust building. And so um, the first thing he has us do like in class, he's like, okay, get up everybody. Like, can we get up? And so he has us sing this nursery song, right? And he's like, and the song's like, don't want to know what I'm doing wrong. Just want to know what I'm doing right, right? So we're singing this yeah. song. You can imagine like a bunch of guys in corporate America singing a nursery song. But it was amazing because we started singing songs. We started acting out skits. We started visioning like our day. We started drawing. We started writing in journals. And what happened to me is like all everything that I was suppressing, like my emotion, my desires, my passion started to come out. And so I was suppressing wow. a lot of anger, a lot of passion. So initially a lot of rage came out. So when we had to go hit the best, the top goals of our life within those 90 days, talk about breaking through walls. Like I would run through any wall. I would run through people. It didn't matter to get yeah. the goal. And so, um, so that's what I did. And we did wow. it. We hit the goal. And then um, I became one of the, no the number five partner out of 500 partners with the company. And, uh, and then I had that question, man. Like I was, I was not happy with how I was behaving ethically, right? I didn't want to run through people. I didn't want to do the things I was doing. So I was like, is this really all there is to my life? That was my question. You know, is this wow. it? So uh, the guy, the guy that there's Craig Doeswald. Hey, Craig. I know um, Craig. Craig spoke on my stage years ago. He's a rock star. Yeah, Craig totally. He's a rock star. Yeah. yeah. Craig, what's up, my, dude? <laughs> I love that dude. He's been in my mastermind. Awesome. So, 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 um, the guy that hired you said something about 250. I, yeah. I'm assuming you hit 250. No, I hit 100 and something, 100 and change, not, not quite 250. Yeah. You never got like, to 250? No, I did eventually, but not, not oh, in my okay. first year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got. Oh, not yeah. in the first year. Got it. Not in my got first it. year. Yeah. 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 So, so, um, so all of this is going on. You, you're, you said around 33 or so things really started kind of, it sounded like they, they really started hitting a, a high point. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, about, I left at 28, right. To go start to go do whatever. And then, you know, you leave and you're lost. Right. So I was yeah. lost. Yeah. Like, yeah. so my business partner and I both left. He was with the company 20 years. He left. Um, we had a short stop in Ohio, but that's a totally another story, but we ended up moving out to California, right? That's where we went. So I got to San Diego and we were running a business, one, an outsourcing company in India. And then two, we had a, a like a thought leader platform, like where we would interview other authors and stuff. And I kind of looked at it and, um, and I was like, I'm kind of doing the same thing that I was doing, uh, um, 
You still there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I just went to live screen. So I, yeah. I was like, I'm kind of doing the same thing that uh, I was doing at New York Life. I'm chasing down business. I'm doing like, you know, getting, yeah. doing sales. And I'm like, I'm kind of bored. And I knew I was a speaker because at New York Life, I was a speaker, right? So I got up in front of audiences, passed out on stage one time. It was horrible. It's another story we get into. But um, so when I left, I was like, I should be a speaker. And so I started my seminar co company around age 30 or something. Um, and that was the time where I knew I needed, cause I fell off the wagon and started doing drugs again. And I was like, that's the time I knew I needed to change because I'm like, how can I get up on stage if I fall off the wagon and I do drugs and I drink. And so that was when I just handled the problem problem permanently. Wow. Good yeah. for you, man. Yeah. Good for you. So, and that was around 30, you said? Yeah. Around 30, 30, I think 32 or something. I, I got off okay. the booze completely. Yeah. About 32. Yeah. 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 Wow. It, I, I I didn't do it till 34. <laughs> okay, dude, in our 30s, we got the message at least, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, um, a lot of people don't get it, man. So, so, um, so you started a seminar. T hold on, let go back to the passing, passing out on stage. <laughs> I, I've never seen that. Well, dude, so I was like, I was 22 or something. So I was doing seminars, right? And and it was like, you know, it was kind of that thing. Like my boss is like, you should do a seminar. I'm like, yeah. And that, you know, that's how it should be in, in, a, in a world where people validate each other. Like yeah. somebody should go, I have an idea. I want to go to the moon or I want to go to a universe or I want whatever. Yeah. And that's how it should be. Somebody should go, great, let's go. Right. Yeah. So in the environment where it was like, great, uh, you should do a seminar, Ted. I'm like, great, let's do it. And so to me, it was natural. And, um, and at 22, I was getting up on stages. And so my third seminar in front of a CPA firm, um, it was like 10 CPAs, right? Yeah. And, and if, I land, if I did a really good talk, we landed this deal with a CPA firm and we got access to hundreds of their clients. So it was a big revenue stream. So I get up there and it's Monday morning and, and I'd done two of these talks already. So I'm a little bit cocky. And I had just been on a bender for the weekend, right? So I got the booze pouring out of me still, right? But I get up there and I go to talk and like two, two minutes into the talk, um, I just I, I just go blank, man. Like I can't I can't remember even what to say. And when you know how you ever you can't remember what to say, like it starts to get dark and then and then I start sweating. And so it starts off as like a bead of sweat, you know, and then it starts like coming out like sweating on the body. And at the time I didn't wear undershirts. So I had this light blue shirt on like much lighter than this. And so the sweat starts coming and you can kind of see with my jacket on that there's drips of sweat coming down my shirt. So the audience starts looking. And then I have this bright idea. I'm like, I should take off my jacket because it's hot, right? So I take off my jacket and then you can see it's like a pool of sweat all over my body, right? Okay. And it gets to the point where it's like, it's like jump in the pool sweat, dude, right? So, wow. so I'm look, the audience is looking at me. I'm like, like I'm about to lose consciousness. So like, of course, the bright idea is to like walk off the stage and then just go sit down in the front row with the audience. Right. So, right. so that's what I did. I literally got walked off stage, sat down in a chair right next to the 10 CPAs and we're sitting there and there's nobody on stage and we're watching them and like nobody knows what to say. The room's silent. And so it's, it's like it's silent for like two, three minutes, dude. And and we're just sitting there and nobody's saying anything. Feels like an eternity. So, of course, I'm like, well, this is odd, right? And I kind of wow. get my wits back. And then I'm like, well, I should get back on the stage. So I walk back on the stage with a soaking wet shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? right? And I go, okay, I'm going to finish the talk. And it's like verbal diarrhea, right? Just flowing out. And I finished the talk. And it was the most embarrassing moment of my entire life. And I didn't talk on the whole car ride back. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to quit speaking forever. I'm done. Wow. <laughs> and, and you didn't even like when you walked off the stage, sat down, were you even, were you really, were you even aware of what you were doing? Like nah, I, I was, I was out of it, dude. I was like, I didn't, I was, you know, like you're like partly aware, maybe 10% of your, your analytical minds working, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so, so you, you end up starting this, this seminar company, which I yeah. find very um, uh, uh, curious. Like what, like, is this where you like going, you know what, I'm going to get Tony Robbins and Grant Cardone and all these people to come in and speak at seminars or is it I'm the seminar? Yeah, I'm the seminar. Okay. 
Yeah, that that was my uh, my whole thing. The reason I brought in other speakers was one to mix it up. But like in a four day seminar, I was the guy, and I might bring in two or three speakers for an hour. But that okay. was all that was all strategically for cross promotion, right? So you could promote and grow your audience, and to give my audience a different flavor of products. Dude, that's that's brilliant. What were what were the seminar? What were you teaching? Well, initially, like when I first started. Um, it was like more on like sales and things like that, you know? Okay. Um, and like, you know, how to go after your passion and your purpose. And yeah. then that evolved as I became really good at seminars. I'm like, well, people are always asking me like, how are you such a good speaker? And how are you doing these seminars? Like, well, I should teach people how to lead seminars. And so I started mm. teaching how to put on seminars. And we had, we had like one of my clients, Alex Moscow, you know, with a stutter uh, at, at 24 years old, we taught him how to get up in front of an audience uh, 10 people and he did $71,000 at his first seminar. You know, um, wow. I, I, I changed, I changed so many people's lives with just getting their, getting their audience with no online marketing of getting yeah. 20 people in a room, 10 people in a room. I had a pastor who got when most he ever made was $60,000 a year at his church, switched his business model, guy by the name of Brandon Hawk. And then in his first 120 days came in, did a seminar, did 221,000 in sales with 40 people in the room. Um, we, we have, I have story after story like this of people just launching in 120 days doing it. And it was really effective because I knew how to do seminars and I knew how to pitch. And, um, and when I grew mine, like it was like when I moved to, to, uh, to San Diego, I knew nobody, man. So like I was building my network from scratch. So I would put on these meetup groups and I would show up and there'd be like two people in the room and be like, oh, great, here's the seminar. That's how I started my business, man. And wow. I speak to two people. And then the next week it'd be four people and it'd grow and then 20. And so I started locally doing a lot of cross promotion locally. And then once I built up my stage enough and I would go to events, I, I would always approach the speaker like, hey, I've got a seminar coming up. Do you want to speak on my stage? So that's how I started to get people like uh, you know, Marsha Weeder and Laura Langmire would speak on my stage. And then I developed you know relationship with Roland Frazier. He spoke on my stage and just different yeah. people I would bring in, you know. I, I was a, I was a networker. I was like, go after it, man. Yeah. Dude, that then is I, awesome. then, thanks, man. And then I saw how limited it was, and that's when I started to learn marketing, which was eight years ago, and that's when I built the brand message to millions. Which you have, I I, I don't know the exact number, six hundred and some odd thousand, almost seven hundred thousand followers on your Facebook page, I believe. Yeah. Um, which is unbelievably cool, but like what, I don't even know how to ask this. So what, what qualified you, what made you think I'm qualified to, to teach people how to do seminars? I mean, like, well, here's, here's, here's my, my basic mentality in life. Like I feel like I'm qualified to do anything and yeah. that's my, my basic mentality. Now, before I teach it, I need to actually prove it and put results in the outside world, right? Yeah. But that's yeah. how I've lived my life. Like eight years ago, I, I, I wrote a one-man play on the stories I'm telling you now. Yeah. So I just decided, I saw somebody, Bo Eason, do a one-man play. And I was like, okay, well, um, that's cool. I tell stories. I grew up with a family of storytellers. I should learn how to do characters. And so I learned how to do characters. I played 12 different characters. And I launched a play. And I did it. Wow. I, I did it, you know, for Tony Robbins Platinum members in Canada. I did it in South America for another group of people. I did it in Canada. I did it in uh, Las Vegas for 500 people. I did it in Orlando for 500 people. I did a six week run here in Los Angeles where James was helping me direct, helping direct it. But like, I, I, I'm wow. just a believer, man. Like, you know, um, that, and, and it sounds whatever, however it sounds to people, I'm qualified to do anything. I believe I can do anything. And I think that's the right mentality in life. And I think everybody on the planet can do what they want to do. Um, and that's just, and that's how I see people. I see that in people too, which is why I, I love that. Millions, which is why Message to Millions is about getting your story and your message into your product programs and services, and then taking responsibility for passing on your successes and your life lessons to people on the planet, because that's responsibility. Like, you know, a lot of people do things in life and they sell products, right? And it's great. Like a toothbrush improves my life. An iPhone improves my life. It helps me do things. But I think what we do is something very special. We go, you know what? Uh, I've learned something and it's it's creating success for me. And you know what? I'm not going to keep it close to the vest. I'm going to share it all with you. And I want you to be successful too. And in a world where, you know, where it's, it's if you win, I don't win. That's what most people think. 
I don't yep. believe in that, man. And I can see through the trap. And it's not that I don't have feelings like that sometimes where like, wow, that person's winning more than me. I see through the trap that that's not truth. The truth is I want other people to win. And when other people win, I'm going to win. And that's how I live my life. That's how I see life. And that's my philosophy. I, I Dude, I love it, man. I absolutely freaking love We were kind of touching on that a little bit before we, we went live. And, you know, when I was talking about the Amazon live stuff, you know, I, I, there's no huge benefit for me. I just, I want to help people win. And, and you know, this, like it's, it's, it sounds like it's fairly intuitive that when you help other people win, you win more. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is intuitive and it's, it's, it is, it's, it's, we know that I agree with you, you know, and I think, uh, I just don't think a lot of people put it into practice like they should, you know? And I think, I think, you know, my, my basic, like my basic, like what's my mission in life is simple. It's like, just, I just want to be by being around a person, I want to make them better, whether it's on video, um, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's talking to them, whether it's answering a question for them, whether it's just whatever, uh, we're at a social gathering and I can infuse my energy and my, my, my positive outlook on life. I want to make it, make it, make people better. That's it. That's awesome, man. So let me ask you, let me ask, and I, I, this is a little bit early in in the, but I'm going to ask this anyway, you know, one of the, um, I think, you know, people, people go through crap in life. I mean, I know I've been through crap that, that I, you know, then became paralyzed in fear or projecting, you know, impossible outcomes. What do you think, in your opinion, keeps people stuck in those previous failures or, <clears throat> excuse me, or, or whatever it is? What do you think keeps people stuck there? Um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times you have a failure, you get stuck there, right? Your attention's on the past. I think a lot of times, you know, we run, in, I run into people sometimes, you know, you see it in sales a lot where, uh, thanks, Bob, appreciate it. It's talking about my one man stage play. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, you see, um, sometimes I run into people even on a sales conversation, you know, and somebody wants to tell you how great they are from the past. And so a lot of times people are stuck in their success of the past versus, you know, what are you doing now moving forward? And it doesn't, you don't need to be like your success in the past is important in credibility. But if you're starting something new, like I'm doing my first feature film coming up, right? So we're turning my play into a feature film and I'm starring in it. And so it's my first time, right? So it's, I'm not interested as much as what somebody's done in the past. I'm interested in their track record. So go great. They've had success so they can succeed. But I'm interested in what they're doing in present time, even if they're new to it. And I think that's the most interesting thing is like the people I respect the most, not are the, not are not the people that are killing it in an industry for 20 years. It's the right. people who are reinventing the industry and going, hey, we're going to try this new thing and do it in a new way. That's who I have admiration for. So wh- who do I look to? I look to people who are creating futures and creating new industries, not to people who have succeeded so well in an industry for 20 years, because I'm looking for the next game that's coming down the pike. Right. Which is why when I look into the future of money, I'm not interested in real estate. I'm not interested in stocks. I'm not interested in any of those traditional investments. I'm interested in uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, period, because I know it's the future and I know the technology is the future. And I saw it four years ago when it crashed and everybody got out and I started buying when it crashed. And I've got I've I've now got I'm not going to say publicly what I have, but I'm very successful in it. And it's not that you have to be like I know so much. I've studied hundreds of hours of it. But I'm a trend guy. So I yeah. see where the future's going and that's where I'm going. I'm not interested in a past industry because past industries are mostly based on philosophies that are 100 to 200 years old. And you might say, well, it's good. Well, you know, gold is based on a philosophy that's hundreds of years, thousands of years old. Well, great. Okay. But um, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what the future is um, because I'm interested in taking risks to thrive on a massive level and not going to the thing where it's so safe and stable. You know? Wow. So, so talk, talk about this, talk a little bit more about the, the feature film that you're working on. Like what, what's first, when, when do you anticipate that's, that's going to come out? Yeah. So, um, so basically the, basically we were doing a play, I was doing the play, right. And, um, the the one man play. And so, um, I think it was as we were starting to do the six week run in Los Angeles, James and I were, were in the theater in rehearsal and we're like, okay, well we should turn this into a movie. Okay, great. Let's do it. 
And the next time he came out, which was like two weeks later, like we had meetings set up for like producers, writers, directors, and great, let's do it. And just went on the path and started to hire writers. And we're now on our fourth writer. Look, we're looking for our fourth writer to get the final draft done, have the funding. So the funding's all set for the movie. And now probably in the next, I would say 90 days, we'll have the casting. And then the idea is to film it in 2022, um, wow. the, the latter part of the year. And the idea was simple, man. It's like, um, you know, I'm a performer, dude. I've been performing on stage since I was 21. I've been performing since I was a kid as a magician in front of my parents. Like, you, I, I believe people have these abilities inside of them. And if we foster them and we validate them, they come out more. Um, and so for me, I just, I just make, keep a focus on validating myself and taking my own counsel on things and then just making my own decisions and going, this is what I'm going to do. And, and to a lot of people, it goes, well, that's crazy. You've never done this before. Like, you, you, but, but here's the thing. To me, marketing is a dream machine, and that's why I learned it. So that's, that's what marketing is for me. It's a dream machine for my clients, a dream machine for me. That's why I do it. And so I go, well, great. If I have a network and I can set up a marketing funnel and I can give the movie away for free because that's what I'm going to do. I don't want to make money off the movie. I'm not interested in that. I'm going to make money off all the other products, right? And so yep. that, that's creating a new industry. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Like I'm taking control. Um, movies aren't new, but the way I'm going about it, the control I'm doing, then I'm going to go, great. I got 2 million people watching my stuff. I'll go to one of the bigger companies, the entertainment companies, or whatever you want to do a deal. No, great. I'll just keep doing my thing. And then we'll produce wow. the next, movie, the next movie, the next movie. Right. So I'm bypassing, um, normal traditional strategies. Cause that's what I've done to get where I'm at. That, that <laughs> do you know, Russell Brunson? I know, I know of Russell. I don't know him personally. We've never met. I use ClickFunnels, dude. I'm I'm literally right now. I've had this forever five, for years, but right now I'm obsessed with this book. Like right, obsessed. Yeah. I'm studying the crap out of it, and and I've been in marketing for thirty years in technology, but you literally just just repeated some of the book, <laughs> like. You well, literally cool. just did. Well, cool. So, I've never, I've never read it, but I'm glad he and I are of the same mind. It's nice to know oh, that you, you have definitely to- are, definitely yeah. are. So, so you're man. That's going to disrupt that industry completely. completely dude. And that, and that's the purpose, man. We want to. We'll wow. play. We'll play the game um, with people want to play. But the purpose is like you know. You look at Mavericks. I read a book called Mavericks at Work years ago, and it, it, they disrupt industries. Yeah. You know, so I've lived my life to go, well, how do you do something different to disrupt an industry? Because that's what it needs. You disrupt it. It needs a shake, right? It needs a shake yeah. to come into yeah. present time. And, and, and I'm an observer. Listen, I don't claim to know everything about the entertainment industry because I wasn't in it. So I can't speak and go, here's how it is. But I observe and here's my observation of my truth that yeah. and I, I've observed across industries. Right. And this this is similar to how the financial industry is. This is similar to what I see in the entertainment industry. This is similar to what I see in tech companies right now of the people that I've observed and I talk to. Okay. Now I haven't done survey and this isn't done on data and research is my own personal observation, but here's the observation. Most of these large industries, um, you can, you, 99%, they never quite make it. And even the ones who are thriving, they, they dangle on just a little bit so you can just get by enough to survive. Yeah. Right. And you're, yeah. and you're left with a carrot of like, you know, in the financial industry, it's like make the millions, but how many people actually get there, right? right. In the yeah. entertainment industry, whatever it is, become a star, become this. And they dangle the carrot enough so you got the taste, but you got to keep going because you're never truly free. You never truly control your career fully. And then you get the small percentage of the people who like, you know, go outside the industry and then they start creating their new industry and then they dictate and they go, here's how the rules are going to go, right? Small, 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 small percentage. Yeah. So my vision is for any industry is like, well, why don't you just create your own, operate by your own rules, Yep. right? Do yep. it how you want to do it. And if it is your own thing, then you dictate what your income is. You dictate how much you promote. You dictate how you want to do it, what the message is, the story, all that you dictate it all. Yep. And then yep. you go, I'm so, I'm so big now, right? So now you go, hey, you want to partner with me? And you start to bring in people. And that and that's what we're doing with God Dreams. Where where the goal is to create a new industry, and it sounds bold, but whatever. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and you're like totally unapologetic too. I love it. 
I absolutely love it. So, you know, look, there was my my wife and I opened up an office about 10 years, 12 years ago, I don't know, and had some employees. And one day this guy walks into my office, one of my employees, and he says, uh, hey, uh, there's a guy looking in the windows of your SUV out in the parking lot. And I'm like, well, dude, you're bigger than me. Tell him to get the hell out of here. And he says, I would, but he's blocking it with his tow truck. <laughs> and I was like, <clears throat> No. So I had my car repoed in front of all my employees. And it was, I remember Ted, it was like the most humiliating day of my entire life. I felt like worm shit. And yeah. I was like, all right, this is it. This is it. My life's over. And, and for the last year and a half, a lot of people have like reached that place where it's, I mean, suicide rates went through the freaking roof and what about the people who are watching that feel like they've freaking done everything? They can't, they just can't seem to get it firing on all pistons. What do you say to them to help them get through this moment, knowing that things can get better? Um, and what, because they're just really struggling. What financially? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, like, here's the thing, like true success comes with like a vision that's true to you, you know? And, and that to me is where freedom is. Right. So yeah. I can look out in the marketplace and go, what is somebody else doing? Um, and that's cool. Cause you look at your competitors and I used to do that. Or I can look into the, the, the sky and go, well, how do I want to paint my canvas? And it takes courage. Um, you're going to get, you know, if you're in a place where you're not succeeding right now, well, you kind of know what it feels like to not succeed and, and fail a little bit. That's okay. But at some point, you know, um, you, you got to, Pat Riley used to say, there comes a time where you got to stand on your own two feet, make a statement about who you are and just do it. And wow. uh, through my life experience, I found anytime I stand on my own two feet and make a statement about who I am and just do it, it succeeds. And the reason is because it starts from a truth that's true for me. And so if, uh, if, if you're doing something, like when I was at New York Life, New York Life's a great company, but it wasn't true for me after a while. So now I'm living in something that to me is a lie, not that New York Life is at all, but it's a lie for me. It's not true. So, right. and the things that I want to do aren't aligned with the, what the industry wants to do. And every time we try and do it, it's like, no, this is how we do it. We've been around for hundreds of years doing this or whatever, or thousands of years, whatever the company is. Or whatever the industry is, because industries right. do that too. So after yeah. a while, you're like, well, I'm trying to move the needle on my truth. But if I play with the people who've been doing this for 200 years, I'm going to move. I'm, I'm, that's all I'm going to do is move the needle. When I want to move a freaking universe, man. So if I'm going to move a universe, I might as well move my own universe. And if it's my truth, then I'm in control of my universe. And that's how so I look good. at it. Yeah, and that's how I look at it. So I don't like, do I have to answer to anybody? No. Am I responsible for a lot of people? Absolutely. Right. So I have responsibility. It's not like I'm shrugging my responsibility. I have responsibility for my clients. I have responsibility for my team. I have responsibility to do things in a way that are going to serve and help people. So I stick to go, what's my vision? What's my responsibility? You know, what's going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun that helps a lot of people? And how can we all win together? And that's the game I'm playing now. And that's what I want to continue to game. So it's like, if you believe, come on board. If you don't, it's okay. Um, you're just not, you're just not going to be on our train or our plane or our rocket ship, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I know, um, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the time here. I know you had a pretty hard stop. It sounded like, um, so I, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, Thanks. but if there, if, are there any other, um, I know you've got an upcoming event we were talking about a little bit before, um, before we got started. What's that, what's that all about? Yeah, I think we have a link there for it. Yeah, we got the link in there. James is posting or you got it. Um, yeah, we, yeah, I'm just an event. I'm like, you know, I haven't done a lot of stuff live um, in the last couple of years, you know. Um, truth of the matter is, you know, last year, my, I was literally working 90 minutes a week in, in my business. And we still grew by 17%. So I've done a pretty effective job, like you know, learning how to run a business and having systems and people to help. And it doesn't mean we still don't have problems. There's problems that pop up every day. But I was like, well, how do I teach, you know, other coaches and consultants and service businesses? Like, how did I get to a multi-million dollar business? Um, and how did I do it initially without the online advertising? Because all we do right now is online advertising. Yeah. And 
how did I also do it without this, the, the social media growth initially, right? So I got to 2 million without any, um, any of that. So like, how did I actually do it? Um, and so there's a lot of people starting brand new or like, well, I can't spend 250,000 a month on advertising, Ted. And, and my message is, that's not what we're asking you to do. We don't want you to skip the basic steps of what it takes to build a business. So on this webinar, I'm going to teach you the basic things that you need to do to start bringing in cash flow in your business, to start forming strategic partnerships so you can grow by two, three, four X, um, and then show you our marketing strategy of how all of that works together in unison to actually get you online and how everything you're doing right now on your message, your program and your sales system, like that is actually contributing to your online success. And so we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to reveal that live on Saturday. And is this a paid webinar, free webinar? Free, totally free. Really? Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Ted's liveevent.com. James popped the link in the in the chat as well. Colleen asks a question. Can do you have time for a quick question? Yeah, here? sure. We got time. She said, How do you find your truth if you I think she meant if you don't know what your God-given talent is yet? Yeah, well, good question. So one, um, I, I'm of the belief that everybody knows it. You just They just need to explore it a little bit, right? So you already know it, but you just need to explore it and maybe you know take a, observe a little bit of what happens. So number one, um, one of my coaches taught me this a long time ago. The name is by the name of Dan Sullivan. And he said, you know, Ted, everybody in life has a unique ability. He says, it's something that you do better than anybody else on the planet because it's unique to you. So nobody else could do it, right? Yeah. That's the first thing. And, the, and within that is, um, he says, it's kind of like a, a fish in water. You know, a fish is swimming in water and water is actually miraculous, right? Like without water, you don't survive. Uh, so the fish swims in water every day and the fish is like, ah, whatever, it's water. doesn't recognize how miraculous it is. Yeah. Well, entrepreneurs, we do the same thing. We walk around with this miraculous gift and it's, it's typically the thing you give away for free. Um, and you're just walking around and you're doing it because you do it naturally. Right. And well, what is that thing? And then you might even go back and go, well, okay, what am I doing in present time that's so natural to me? I just do it. And 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 you should get paid for that. So the first thing is you write it down. Second thing is you go, how do I get paid for it more, right? Third thing is there's a lot of things maybe from childhood that you abandoned. This is my now my creation on this, right? And not dance, yeah. dance hormones. But now there's things from childhood that you look at and you go, well, as a kid, what kinds of things did I do that I really loved and why did I abandon those things? Like for me, it was I, I was doing performances, you know, I was doing uh, like performances in different classes and I even wrote a skit in, in English class and that was like a little play we wrote. And, and so I look back and I, I was a writer. Uh, I was a performer as a kid, not at the level of like going to do performances, but those things that I enjoyed to mess around with. I used to watch Eddie Murphy with his, you know, his foul mouth comedy I loved because I, <laughs> I was a foul mouth kid and I used to do all these voices. And like, so I was like, so I looked back and I was like, man, these are things that I love to do. Why did I stop doing them? And 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 mostly it's like, you know, the middle class, the path of the middle class of like, go get educated, go to college, um, you know, go get a job, go work nine to five, go get a pension. Like those those are the days of like the 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 the, uh, you know, the the 1640s. I'm exaggerating on this. Right. right. But it's so old, man. And and I, you know, my observation is like. People who come out with their MBAs that I see who come through my programs, they have no sales skills. They have no marketing skills. I have a client who came to my program, did an MBA, and knew nothing about sales, learned it from us. Was making $20,000 a year with her MBA skills. She worked with us and made a quarter of a million dollars in the last two years because she learned sales and marketing, right? Wow. So, it's like, so it's like, well, what are you learning at school? Are, are you getting smarter or are you getting less intelligent, right? Thank so I don't, you. I don't, yeah, I don't ever look at my... Like I actually feel like school, and this is my personal opinion, made me less intelligent. It actually made it actually dropped my my whatever. And so over the years, my IQ uh, went from like ninety five up to one hundred and thirty three. So they, there's also, from what I understand, your IQ doesn't change. The experts say it's bullshit, right? Yeah. Um, and then you get into a whole other conversation about you know what, what's going on with the, the the mental health industry, which is totally um, you know is confused and based on a lot of untruths as well. So you have these educational systems that are spreading things to people that for the most part aren't true. Some of it, yep. it could be true. Um, and so I look at it and go, well, what's true for me? Let's not rely on the systems that aren't doing so hot. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I couldn't have put that any better. I feel the exact same way.
In fact, my my both of my daughters started started back to school today. And my I told my wife last night. I'm like, I don't know. I you know we're 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 taking we're taking them to school super ridiculously early to um, be programmed. Right. <laughs> That's yeah, literally man. what I said. Hey, you know, some people, some people like, you know, uh, some people go to school and they're like, okay, it was great. I wasn't one of them. I was like, I, I memorized my way through because I never learned how to study and I only learned yeah. that later on in life. So I think just, uh, you know, everybody's got to take their path and their truths. For some people, their yeah. education is their truth. And for some people, it's not. It certainly wasn't mine. Ted, hey, man, I am so grateful for your time, for you coming on, sharing your wisdom. You're, you've been incredibly um, transparent. I think everybody needs to go register at tedsliveevent.com. Is there anything else you would like to leave with the audience before we end this? Uh, yeah, I would just say, um, you know, um, create, your, create your own industry. You know, and, and that's that's like, you know, you, you look at you, you can pull ideas from other industries. But at the end of the day, there's good ideas here, good ideas here, good ideas here. And then there's your own idea of what you want to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly a believer of like what's your own idea. Um, and so really think about that. Spend some time. Um, you know, we always do free coaching sessions for people. And, and they're like so such like a thing in the industry where everybody does free coaching sessions. Everybody does very good way for coaching. Sessions. But here's the funny thing, like. It's one. It's the one time where you actually spend sixty minutes thinking about what you want. Like, how often throughout the day do you actually take sixty minutes to go? What's my vision? What are my goals? Like, what's important to me? Um, you should have that discussion, whether it's on a free coaching call, whether it's like with one of your your spouse. Really ask the question, like, what's your, what are your goals? What's your vision? What's important to you? Um, because those things are important, and then you can create from that. But if you're just creating based on reaction, you're never going to get anywhere. Totally agree, man. Totally agree. My wife's on here. We still have James Barber popping the link up. Everybody go over right now. It's free. Register for Ted's live event at tedsliveevent.com. Uh, if you can't tell that he's got some some wisdom that he can drop into your life and change it, then um, go back and rewatch this interview because it, it's it's been phenomenal. Ted, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. If you would hang on for me, though, don't hang up. I'm going to end the live stream, but I want to chat with you real quick if that's you cool it, with man. you. Yeah, yeah I guess. Right. absolutely. Thank Thanks, everybody. Appreciate the time, man. It's great to be Thank here. Thank you, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you to everybody who shared this out. Go get registered, tedsliveevent.com.